we've been <clears throat> richly blessed already, and I praise God for that. Um, may His blessings continue as we as we uh, proceed, and uh, not only here at church this morning, but throughout our life. Um, <clears throat> just a few things that uh, caught my attention, I guess, that that resonate with with me this morning. Um, um, Truman had in devotions the the quote of God wants more than an audience. He wants holy saints who love his word and by love serve others. And then um, Jonathan's statement of um, as we continue to be aware of the conditions of our heart and and uh, willing to to be sowing seeds and in, in furthering the kingdom. Um, so both of those statements are speaking of serving in love and um, might we be blessed in so doing. Um, which, what I wanted to share this morning is, um, has to do with, with God's provision for us, um, enabling us to, to do that very thing, um, the, <clears throat> The seed for this came from Ephesians 3, verse 20, uh, where it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So, the thing of, of God's grace or his power working in us is exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So, can we comprehend that? The, the, the power that, that God provides and works in us is, is way more than than is actually required for the task at hand. Um, so, in, in following that thought, I came across um, a chapter in, in the book, um, The God of All Comfort, and um, a very, very valuable um, teachings throughout that book. I would encourage anyone to to 
acquire a copy of it and and read through it. Um, so I am actually using um, a chapter from that book, The God of All Comfort. Um, I'll be reading quite a bit from that, um, but then also sharing some scriptures and and I don't know, just sharing my own thoughts as the Spirit leads, I guess. Um, so the, the chapter in the book is entitled uh, Much More Versus Much Less. So it's comparing mentalities, mindsets of people, um, No, not exactly that. It's teaching that, that God's provision is much more than is needed, much more than we often perceive it to be. We tend to think, we naturally tend to think that, that it is less we we make it we make it less than than it really is we don't we don't value it as we should um but well as we'll see as we go through this that the 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 bible gives us multiple uh incidents where the things of God is much more than than required, or or much more than um, what the world has to offer. Maybe as an example, um, one one statement as an example, just before we get into this. But where sin abounded. Grace did much more about. So, you know, sin is has a strong hold on people, but but God's grace is much more than that hold that sin would have on us, and so the the. The carnal man, and even um, Christians are are prone to thinking that you know I just I just can't overcome. Well, God's grace is is much more than the the sin that that binds a person. Okay, so um, I will read a portion of of from that book. Then we'll stop and and talk about that a little bit. There is an expression used over and over again in the Bible to describe the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, which gives a view of that salvation so amazing and so perfectly satisfying that I cannot help wondering whether any of us have ever yet grasped 
its full meaning. One thing is certain, that no one who grasps it could ever be uncomfortable or miserable again. It is the expression, much more, and it is used to tell us, if only we would believe it, that there is no need which any human can ever know that cannot be much more than met by the glorious salvation that is provided. But we are continually tempted to think that much less would be a truer term, and that so far from this salvation being much more than our needs, it turns out in actual experience to be much less. And this much less view, if I may so express it, is in danger of making our whole spiritual lives a misery to us. If all the fullness of God's salvation is indeed true, it would seem as if nothing but the language of much more could ever be used by any child of God. But since there are some Christians who seem by their thoughts and their actions to declare that they consider the language of much less to be the only prudent language for poor sinners, I want us to carefully consider the matter in the light of what the Bible tells us and discover whether we are really justified in saying much more. So, um, well, like I just said, you know, we, we, we are prone to think that, that, uh, I just, I just can't overcome. I, I'm just, I'm weak. My faith is not strong enough. I just can't overcome. But, and and that is the the mindset of much less. If I'm understanding the point here, um, so it is my desire to, to um, encourage us or to, to. Uh, whatever, strengthen us in, in realizing that, that uh, God's grace is, is far exceeds the need that we really have, and, and there's nothing too great for him to, to change. Um, so um, if, we, if we look into... The scriptures, uh, as far as um, are we really justified in saying much more? Um, so, so what do we find in scripture as far as as much more? Um, and I just have a few here. So, First Timothy, chapter one. Um, 14 is kind of the key verse, but if we back up to 12 uh, to kind of get the context. Um, verse 12, I, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. This is Paul speaking. Um, referring to his old life. Verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Then verse 14, 
and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. So, exceeding abundant. It just speaks of, of way more than necessary. I mean, if, if, if we have um, anything in abundance, it's more than we really need, right? So this is, is exceeding. It's, it's like a, a double winner. You know, it's, it's abundant, which is more than is needed, but it exceeds even that, okay? Titus 3, 3 to 7. Um, I didn't. Okay, Titus. Chapter 3, verse 3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So here it, it just speaks of abundantly. Um, but still, God's grace is more than is needed to save us. Um, so, <clears throat> if, if we go through these several verses, um, verse 3 uh, speaks of, of our past, our background. Um, you know, maybe we're not guilty of all of these, but I think we're probably all guilty. Uh, At one point, we were guilty of some of these things named. Um, so, verse 3 is our background. Verse 4, God intervenes. Um, but after, the, after that, after our sinfulness, that's not really what it's saying. But after that, the kindness of love, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. You know, God intervenes for us there. He saves us uh, according to his mercy. It's not, not that uh, we have done so well or that we actually deserve it, but because he loves us and cares for us and is merciful, he saves us. And it is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Um, and I pondered verse 7 uh, that being justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life so um, how is that hope within us 
um, if we if we dwell in that much less um, mentality or mindset, I'd rather say, if we dwell in that mindset, um, how is our hope? Um, you know, if if we barely trust that that we are saved, we don't have a strong hope of of uh, eternal life. Okay, then in Second uh, Corinthians four fifteen, uh, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. I think I used this verse um, recently. The word redound, um, meaning to become swollen or to overflow. So, um, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace, again, more grace than is actually required, might through the thanksgiving of many overflow again a, a, an expression of abundance through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Um, okay, so I think that we are justified in proclaiming that um, that God's grace is much more than than is really required. It is it is much more than our needs. I should be saying um, it is it is greater than our need. Um, we don't need to uh, to cultivate or dwell on the thought that, oh, I'm too weak, or um, I I don't have enough faith. Um, God's grace is much more than that. Okay, continuing from the book. Um, it is, I believe, a far more vital question for each one of us than may appear at first. For if God declares that the salvation he has provided is much more than enough to meet our needs, and if we insist on declaring in our secret thoughts that it is much less, we are casting discredit on his trustworthiness and are storing up for ourselves untold discomfort and misery. Much less is the language of the seen things. Much more is the language of the unseen thing. Much less seems on the surface to be far more reasonable than much more, because every seen thing confirms it. The things that we see seem to be, seem to be saying that it's much less. Our weakness and foolishness are visible. God's strength and wisdom are invisible. Okay? Our own weakness and foolishness is visible, but God's strength and wisdom 
are invisible. Our need is patent before our very eyes. God's supply is hidden in the secret of his presence and can only be realized by faith. It seems a paradox to tell us that we must see unseen things. How can it be possible? But there are other things to see than those which appear on the surface. To look through There are other things to see than those which appear on the surfaces, and other eyes to look through than those we generally use. The author then gives the example of an ox and a scientist both looking at the same field. Um, but they will see very different things. Okay. To see unseen things requires us to have that interior eye opened in our souls, which is able to see below surfaces, and which can pierce through the outer appearance of things into their inner realities. This interior eye looks not at the seen things, which are temporal, but at the things that are not seen, which are eternal. And the vital question for each one of us is, whether that interior eye has been opened in us yet, or whether we can see the things that are eternal. <coughs> Let me try that again. The vital question for each one of us is, whether that interior eye has opened in us yet, and whether we can see things that are eternal, or whether our vision is limited to the things that are temporal only. Well, I I feel challenged myself. Okay, don't don't get the idea that that uh, I think I have achieved because I'm still learning. And um, but so so let's go forth in, in realizing that that God's power, his strength, his grace, his mercy is all much more, okay? And and he will he will help us to to exercise that interior eye as she's speaking of here. Um Okay, so thinking of of uh, things seen and things unseen or not seen, um, we find in Scripture, um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, The things of God are not seen. Sure, there's certain things, but his his strength, you know, that is, we don't see it. Um, we see it active. We see it making a difference in, in people. We see the fruits of it, but we don't actually see that. Okay. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Then also in Hebrews 11, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So, um, just the thing of of, um, trusting God uh, with our life, um, you know, Noah, God told him that that he would send rain on the earth. They had not seen that before. Um, so it was a, a great leap of faith for him, or it seems to me it would have been. Um, what would have happened had he not had he not believed in the unseen uh, in that situation? Second Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So can we, can we look beneath the surface, beneath that what is quite obvious, and see the eternal value of uh, of the work of um, you know the the decisions we make and and so forth. First um, Peter one eight. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Okay, so, uh, whom having not seen, ye love. Okay, speaking of us having not seen Jesus, um, we haven't seen him, yet we believe. And, and that believing brings us joy. And it is through that, that we receive the end of our faith, uh, even the salvation of our souls. So believing that um, that salvation is, is much more than our need um, will will work for us uh, an eternal home in glory. Um, okay, so so next um, this goes into um, a, a story from from Second Chronicles thirty two, and I thought you might. Stand for this, and I, I will read um, the first 22 verses of chapter 32 in Second Chronicles. After these things, and the establishment thereof, 
Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. So let's pay special attention to the, the mentality of Sennacherib, the, the Assyrian king. But first it tells us about Hezekiah. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was proposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Also he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and repaired Milo, the city of David, and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous, be not afraid nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem, but he himself laid siege against Lachish and all his power with him. Okay, so if we leave out that clause, um, after this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and his servants, after this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith Sennacherib, now this is where his attitude comes out, Thus saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, whereon, whereon do you trust that ye abide in the siege in Jerusalem? Does, doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, the Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria. Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know ye not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any ways able to help their lands out of mine hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed, that could deliver his people out of mine hand, that, that your God should be able to deliver you out of mine hand? I didn't get that read very nicely, but... <clears throat> So I'll try again, verse 14. Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed? 
that could deliver his people out of mine hand. Okay, so who was there among all those gods that God should deliver, should be able to deliver you out of mine hand? Now therefore let not Hezekiah deceive you, nor persuade you on this matter, neither yet believe him. For no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of mine hand and out of the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you out of mine hand? And his servants spake yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of mine hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. Then they cried out, then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on, on the wall to affright them and to trouble them that they might take the city. And they spake against God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of men. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders and captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was come into the house of his God, they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with the sword. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side. You may be seated. So, if, if I read this correctly, um, Sennacherib um, spoke against our God, um, he was utterly defeated, and when he came home, his, his own family killed him with a sword. Um, so, I would like to draw our minds to verses 7 and 8. Um, Hezekiah's encouragement to his people, that can be an encouragement for us today in in our work, uh, just wherever we go, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the, for the king of Assyria. And we can replace that with whatever uh, situation we find ourselves in. For all the multitude that is, nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with him. Okay, don't be discouraged because there's more with us than there are with him. Um, reminds me of there's a song, um, "Little Is Much When God Is In It." Um, in our business meetings, we've been drilled uh, several times. Less is more. Um, 
That's what this is saying. There be more with us than with him. When actually, in, in real numbers, that was not, that was not correct. Um, but then Hezekiah went on and said, With him is an arm of flesh, just carnal strength. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. The people were comforted. They rested themselves in, in that truth. They, they trusted the much more. They trusted the unseen versus the seen. Because the seen was um, Sennacherib had many more people than Hezekiah did. Um, okay, so Hezekiah had, had the mentality of much more. Sennacherib had the mentality of much less. Verse 15, How much less shall your God deliver you out of mine hand? Um, in this book, it reads, Hezekiah kept his eyes and the eyes of the people fixed on the unseen things, and their faith stood firm. And the Lord, in whom they trusted, did not fail them, but sent them a grand deliverance. The much less of the enemy was turned was turned for the Israelites into a much more of victory. The man who had promised them defeat and death was himself defeated. He was obliged to return to his own land with shame of face and was there slain by his disappointed relatives. Um, just more examples of the the much less mindset. Um, I remember hearing of a Christian who was in great trouble and who had tried every way for deliverance, but in vain, who said finally to another in a tone of utmost despair, Well, there is nothing left for me now but to trust the Lord. Alas, exclaimed the friend in the greatest consternation, is it possible it has come to that? We may shrink with horror from the thought of using such an expression, but if we are honest with ourselves, I believe we shall be obliged to confess that sometimes, in the very bottom of our hearts, we have indulged in just this feeling, to come to the point of having Nothing left to trust in but the Lord has, I am, I am afraid, seemed to us at times a desperate condition of things. And yet, if our Lord is to be believed, his much mores of grace are abundantly equal 
to the worst emergency that can befall us. <clears throat> so again, um, the, the thing, the... Ephesians 3.20 um, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Can we retain that in our, in our mind, our being, that God is able to do much more than we ask or think? We can think of very wonderful things in the way of salvation, but do we really believe that God is able and willing to do for us exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think? Is the language of our hearts much more or much less? Uh, then it also gives the example, um, for if thou through offense of, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of, and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. This is a much more that really reaches, if only we could understand it, into the deepest depth of human need. So we understand that um, it is speaking here of, of the fall of man, Adam's, um, Adam and Eve sinning in the garden through the defense, of, through the offense of one, many be dead, um, God tells us that that much more his grace by Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. One of the deepest needs of our souls is the need for being saved. Is there a much more to meet this need? What does the Apostle say? But God commendeth his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So, again, just more confirmation that, that uh, salvation which is given unto us is is. Abundant. It is much more than the need that we have. 
Um, do we really believe it? Have we got rid of all doubts as to our salvation? Can we speak with assurance of forgiveness and eternal life? Do we say with the timidity of unbelief, I hope I am a child of God? Or do we lift up our heads with joyous confidence in God as our Father and say with John, Now are we the sons of God? Is it in this respect much more with us or much less? So, um, the, the, the thing of being, being confident in, in um, our salvation, um, one, one thing that, that always encourages me or, or tends to help to, to lift me up, I guess, uh, is to remember that that uh, that I am a child of God, and that I have uh, I have a king in heaven. Okay, so I'm I'm the child of a king. There's there's uh, there's riches to be had, and and yes, they're not. They're not. Um, we're not looking on the temporal things as the riches of this world, but the the riches of eternal value. They they are to be had uh, if we uh, if we ask in faith. Um, and. I know that life deals us things that we say we don't enjoy, but I would like to encourage myself with you in realizing that that uh, God's plan for us is, in the context of what I've been sharing, is much more. Um, and even those times when that we that we meet with with things that we don't enjoy or find very difficult, um, my mind went to uh, a writing that I've seen, and uh, so there's there's various ones. But the one I chose to share reads like this. I asked for strength, and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage, and God gave me struggle to overcome. I asked for favors, and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted, but I received everything I needed. That, uh, 
can we see the unseen in those situations and realize that what what God brings into our life, even those things that we say we don't enjoy or don't appreciate, even those things are for our good. They are they are much more than that which we uh, naturally desire. I don't know how better to put it in words than what I just read. So I think I will leave it there. Um, I would be glad for uh, comments or testimony, however you are led to share. <laughs>